This is the first in a series of conversations with Todd Worker, who founded Hawkhaven Vineyard and Winery with his wife, Kenna. Hawkhaven Vineyard is located in southern Cape May County, New Jersey. So we started planting grapevines in 1997. And then it wasn't until uh, 2007 that we started to really move forward with getting the licensing in place and getting ready to open the winery. Um, so once we got our license in place, started making some wine. We started with making red wine because it's a two-year process. Did that and then um, the following year started making white wine and opened the doors in 2009. It was a small, a small amount of vines, not something that you would be sustainable from a commercial level, but it was something to, to get our feet wet, experiment with planting some grapes and growing some grapes and kind of learning what the uh, industry was about. Agriculture was our background, uh, so it's a family farm. And uh, so we were looking for something to do with the property other than to put it into development because most of the other agricultural commodities were um, kind of worthless to grow. And uh, so especially where we're located. So we had to be creative and come up with something new, talk to some agricultural agents and uh, found out that we were in a pretty good grape growing area. Not to mention, you know, our sales uh, location was uh, going to be pretty good as well. So we started to, to um, get into grape growing and started to learn how to make wine after that. Can you tell me a bit about the location and historically what the agriculture related to the property was? Right, so our location is pretty close to um, Cape May, New Jersey. We're in Cape May County, and uh, we're basically surrounded by water on uh, three sides uh, within you know, five to six miles of our location. So uh, we are definitely very, uh, our temperature is moderated by that water and that microclimate that we have here. Um, with that also comes a, a very seasonal tourist-driven um, business market that we have. Uh, so that kind of really helped uh, push towards that winery direction. Um, but prior to that, it was all row crops. Um, my grandfather was, uh, was dairy cows and, uh, and vegetables back in the 40s um, and primarily lima beans for an extended period of time. Um, then it ended up with you know, green beans and pumpkins and a bunch of other different things throughout all the years. Um, and that eventually led us to, to growing new grapes. Was that a multi-generational farm? Uh, yeah, my grandfather had come over from Germany, um, I guess, in the 30s and uh, made his way throughout the U.S. and kind of uh, settled. Uh, my grandmother's family was from the Millville area, which is pretty close to where we're at, and um, eventually made her way to Cape May as well. So we, uh, our, my grandmother's side has been here for, I guess, now four or five generations. It's an interesting story how wine seems to be one of the potential outlets for a farmer to have a small piece of land be viable and, uh, you know, continue to stay in the family. Yeah, for, for sure. It's, a, it's definitely an opportunity because you don't need a whole lot of space to do it. We are quite fortunate in that we do have a lot of land and that we can continue to grow and expand the business around that, um, which is going to build well for us you know, in the future because the demand is certainly there um, and we're you know, continuing to expand the vineyard um, almost every year.
And uh, so to your point, yeah, it's great to be able to, um, yeah, just build on what was, uh, what was there for us, uh, what our, you know, grandfathers and our, you know, our fathers did um, before um, and to just really embrace um, this kind of agricultural community and uh, which is really what it is. It's that grape growing um, and it's your hands in the dirt and, you know, basically raising, raising something up. And, um, and so it really does just, it, uh, it, it makes you kind of buy in to what it is that you're doing. And it's, uh, it's definitely a wonderful thing. And in New Jersey, you are very much in partnership with Mother Nature, who's going to contribute to your recipe, quote unquote recipe, whether you like it or not. And I, in the short time I've been exposed to wine in New Jersey, I think that makes for a more interesting product in that the variation has a story to go along with it and that the variation create it's almost like trading cards then. Every year's a different trading card. And, and that to me is the, the essence of collecting or, or appreciating. And I think that makes New Jersey wine very different than what the casual wine drinker expects or has been um, conditioned to think about when they go to buy a bottle of wine with the same label on it this year and next year. Can you speak a bit to that and how the perception of that is either a hindrance or an asset and completely in the mind of the beholder? <laughs> right. That's a, that's a lot to unwrap there. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, some of these, you know, bigger box store uh, brand wines are just the same thing year in, year out, or they'll they'll build you up with something and eventually kind of somewhat devalue the brand over a number of years. Um, you know, but it's generally going to be the same thing. You go back and get it. They don't need to put a vintage on it um, because it almost doesn't matter. Um, and so you just get this product and it's, it is what it is. Um, and there's kind of no creativity behind it. There's nothing to, to draw you in no personality, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, what we have is this seasonal, you know, variation, this yearly variation that um, does different, um, almost different styles or a varying product type. Um, and so it does create some type of uh, complication on our ends because as we say in the year in, year out, it's going to be different, right? So, and in the winery, we have to know how to handle that. Um, you know, we have to have a different approach. We have to be willing and open-minded um, to our product every single year. Um, and that goes into the vineyard as well. So knowing that, um, you know, one year might not be great for Cabernet Sauvignon. It might be spectacular for our Chardonnay that year and uh, vice versa, right? So, you know, we have, you know, plenty of seasons where it gets cooler uh, earlier. And that's going to bode well for those early ripening varieties where we do want a little bit of cooler um, temperatures. Uh, Pinot Grigio, for instance, is one. Uh, so we, you know, we want to hold, you know, cooler temperatures. You're going to hold on to the mass a little bit more. Um, so, you know, we don't really want that in our late ripening Cabernet Sauvignon necessarily, right? So um, it's just a, it's being willing to to embrace the product that you have that year and um, and making the best thing thing that you can out of it and. Uh, 
what that you know we have seasonal variation so you come back and, and you get the taste and go you know which which wine is it this year you know which wow this uh 2019 uh you know cabernet sauvignon is amazing right um you know and it might not be your favorite necessarily from 2018 or 2020 um but again like we were saying it might be the pinot grigio or you know albarino or you know we grow a we grow 16 different varieties of grapes um, so we can have consistency of quality uh you know somewhere across the board um, and it really gives us a lot of flexibility from that standpoint the varieties of grape you're having success with can you uh, put regions on them you know are they uh, european varietals are they french are they napa it, to the layman what can they expect to meet in terms of uh, the menu they're used to seeing in terms of available wines? Sure, sure. Uh, so all of the varieties that we grow are considered uh, Vitis vinifera, uh, which is uh, varieties of grapes that were indigenous to Europe somewhere, you know, whether they made their way from, uh, you know, the Middle East, which is where most grape varieties originally started. Um, and then made their way into you know the regions that we now know of, being Italy and um, France and Spain, um, and so you know Germany. So then those varieties we've taken um, those varieties and brought them to America, um, and so and you know around the world for that matter. So um, they didn't really have um, they didn't have Syrah in. Australia um, until they transported it uh, over there however many years ago. So we've basically done the same thing. Um, we don't grow anything what we call hybrids or um, native varieties. It was just a choice that we made when we got started. Um, and it's something now from a marketing standpoint that we're kind of sticking with, even though there are varieties out there um, that are native or that, uh, that hybrid where it's a cross between those European varieties and the native varieties that would grow well for us. Um, but like I said, you know, we're kind of sticking with the varieties that we have at this point and probably don't see ourselves um, expanding into any of those other styles. So yeah, they are, they've been moved around the world. Um, a lot of these varieties grow in all of your typical grape growing regions. Um, so it's something that, uh, like I said, we were embracing and some of them, you know, are growing. Cabernet Franc, for one, was a variety that we thought, you know, we're just going to plant that. It's a it's a blending grape. It's not something that's a standalone. You would never really just drink that by itself because of some of the typical, um, you know, flavor profiles and aromas of the wine. Um, that it's not you don't typically see that out in the marketplace. And lo and behold, it's one that um, um, year in year out is one of our better quality wines. Um, and you know same thing with some of the other varieties you know the tempranillo we we grow um viognier albarino a grape from uh, from spain a coastal region in spain has been flourishing for us um here it's been growing really well for us to the point where we're planting you know considerably more of that and so that should be uh you know coming online in the next few years and um being a little bit more you know widely sold rather than just a very um you know select product that we have with limited availability so um yeah you know we're we're ex somewhat playing around with different grapes and being surprised by how you know certain ones um produce and the quality of wines that they make and others are just you know okay these are you know you know merlot for instance is just slow and steady we like to call it it's always a 
you know, a really nice wine, it's generally not our wine that's like, oh, that's going to be, that's the best wine of the year, right? Um, but it's but it's always good. It's never, oh, well, that one's not very good this year. It's just consistent. So, like I said, we have this variation of varieties and it, uh, it allows us to, um, like I said, have consistency throughout the years. Don't forget to subscribe and like the show on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen. 